Okay, we're starting here on the top of Kuf Kof Dalet Amalaf by the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Kol HaKedim Yitalim L'Tzorech, Shalom L'Tzorech. All utensils are taken both for necessity and not for necessity. Tomorrow we'll have to explain this. this is a cryptic statement of the Mishnah. And now we have Rabbi Nechemia, who we've bumped into a number of times through the Masechta. Rabbi Nechemia says, Ein Yitalim Elo L'Tzorech. Kilim are only taken for their primary purpose. So, my L'Tzorech or my Shalom L'Tzorech. Of course, the Gemara's first question is, Exactly this cryptic statement in the Mishnah. What does it mean that you take Kilim, Litzarek, and Shalom Litzarek? So, Amar Rabbo. So here the possibility of the Girsa is either Rabbo or the Rif and the Rosh both have Abaye as the author of this position. We bumped into Abaye who had a clear layout of his position when he argued on Rava. Rabbo we had at the beginning of the Perek where Rabbo said that the Tzarek Kufo is Mutar. But we didn't have any other information about him, so it's not clear what his other stance is. So it's possible that Rabba is the author of this position over here, although it would match up better with Abayi's position because the layout here is almost identical to Abayi's position. It is the Tzorach, means Davar Shemach Tola Heter. When it comes to a utensil that is used for Heter, Tzorach Gufo. Shalol the Tzorach is Davar Shemach Tola Heter, the Tzorach Mikomo. Therefore, by it comes to a utensil that is otherwise Mutar on Shabbat, you're allowed to use it for Tzorach Gufo. And Tzorach Mikomo. On the other hand, the Varsham Lachtoli Isur, when it comes to a utensil that's normal utilization is for something that is a sur, Tzorach Kufo in, Tzorach Mikomo, lo. And for Tzorach Kufo, it will be okay. By Tzorach Mikomo, it will not be okay. So this we clearly seen in a bias position when he explained the progression from the Chemia, the Navi, to our Mishnah, what had happened and what transpired. He said over there that Glishmatoli Sur is only Mutar the Gabe Kufo, but not for Tzorach Mikomo. We've seen that in Abayi's position. As far as Rabba's position is concerned, again, we only saw that he said for Tzorach Kufo it's Mutar. We didn't hear anything about his position in regards to Tzorach Mikomo. If you think Rabba is the author of this position, then his position turns out to be similar to Abaye, which Abaye is his Rabba's Talmud, so it wouldn't be so far-fetched to say that Abaye was like his Rebbe Rabba. Ve'ata Reb Nechemia, and then Reb Nechemia comes along to say, Even a utensil that's normal usage is for Eter, there, the Tzorach Kufo in, the Tzorach Mikomo lo. Reb Nechemia limits it to its primary utilization, and therefore only the Tzorach Kufo would it be Mutar, even so Amalei Rova, we here have Rova arguing. We know already that Rova believes by you can use it both for Tzorach Kufo and Tzorach Mikomo. So therefore, he's going to read the Mishnah differently, and for the same reason that he did before, which is when you say something is mutar the Tzorach Tzorach Mikomo Shalom the Tzorach Karyle Tzorach Mikomo is called not for its need, not for a purpose. That's not true. Tzorach Kufo and Tzorach Mekomo come as a package. They're the same deal. They're both ways to utilize the item in a way that should be mutar on Shabbat. Elohim Arovo. Tzorach is Dovar Shemlach Toleter. Ben Tzorach Kufo, Ben Tzorach Mekomo. When it comes to the Tzorach, it means something that is otherwise mutar to use on Shabbat. That you're allowed to use both for Kufo and Mekomo. Shalom Tzorach means Afilu Michama Letzel. Even to simply move the item from the sun into the shade. Again, here you're not going to use it. You don't need a need for the space it's sitting on. You simply want to protect the item from getting ruined. That is mutar and Shabbat. Even it's not the Tzorech. It's not for your needs. Gufo and Mikomo are specifically your needs. Here the Shalol Tzorech is because it's for the Tzorech of the item. It's the item's needs, not your needs. And that's called Shalol Tzorech. What you can infer from here is that Malachtol Yisur is different. It's different in this way. That Tzorech Gufo and Tzorech Mikomo in. Malachtol Yisur, both for Gufo and Mikomo, it's permitted. Mecham Move a Klish Malachtol Yisur from the sun into the shade to protect the item. That is not permitted. And this is Ravah the Shita. 
Shitato that we saw before. And Rechemnei comes to say that when it comes to an item that's heter, Sorech is both Kufo and Mikomo. So even Rabbi Nehemi would agree that you can move the item if it's head there, if you need that space. What he doesn't agree with is that Micham al You're not allowed to move it from the sun into the shade. Yati Rav Safro, Rav Achar Barhuna, Rav Huna Barchanina, Yatve Kamre. And they said like this, the Rabbah. Aliba de Rem Dechemia. Rabba, according to Rabbi Nechemia, Haini Ka'arot, Hecha Mitautalinan. These plates that we have on the table, how are we able to move them? Now, glue, they're not talking about the plates before the meal, they're talking about the plates after the meal. Once you've eaten your meal, you've used the plates, now you want to remove the plates from the table. What's the reason you can remove the plates from the table? Sarach Makomo. You want your table to be cleared, you want to use the table. That's Sarach Makomo. Problem is now that, according to Rabbah's explanation, or Abaye, depending which girsa you have, in Rabbi Nechemia, the only thing you're allowed to move a plate for is Sarach Kufo. This isn't Sarach Kufo, this is Sarach Makomo. How do you remove the dirty plates from the table, according to Rabbah, in Rabbi Nechemia's position? It's no different than a graf shorei, because the plates that are dirty sitting on the table are disgusting, and you're allowed to remove garbage or other items that are ma'us from the house on Shabbat, even though they're muksa, because you're allowed to clear out things that would make it unpleasant for you to be there. So just like the dirty dishes on the table would upset you and make it unpleasant for you, so you're allowed to remove them not because they're not muksa, not because of any tzorach mekomo, Issue, it's simply because they are graph so ready, they're disgusting. So Bayi says to his Rebbe, Rabbi, the Mar, he's addressing his Rebbe. How do they carry them? Safrin, our friend, already explains this, Din, that's what we just saw in the prior say. So Bayi himself posed the question directly to Rabbah in his position of Rabbi Nechemia, how do you remove the dirty plates from the table? And he says, Rav Safra already explained on my behalf that this is a graf shel rei. Eitvei Abayi l'rovo meducha sheishba shum metaltilinota. This Abayi has posed this question a number of times from this Braita, which is that if we have a mortar that is full of garlic, metaltilinota, we can carry it. Bimlav, if not, ain't metaltilinota. Not, you can't carry it implying that Sorech Kufo, Sorech Mikomo are not the heterim here for the mortar. Only because there's garlic in it are we allowing you to move it. Without the garlic, we wouldn't allow you to move it. That's just not true according to Rabba's position because you have other alternatives like Sorech Mikomo that should allow you to move it. The Hachamaya Skina, and here the Gemara gives the same answer it gave on the previous daf, which is Micham It's moving it from the sun to the shade. So in that case, Micham you can't move it because it's a Klish Malach Tobi Yisur. Klish Yisur is only allowed to be moved for Sorech Kufo and Sarach Mekomo. Here, the need to move it is because you want to protect the item. The only way you can protect the item is if it has garlic inside of it. If it has garlic inside of it, then it's a Klishmach Tulisir, but it has Hector in it, which allows you to move it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to move it, even according to Rovo. Eitavei v'shavim shim v'alav basar shasur l'taltolo. This goes back to the Machloket Beit and Beit Shemai, with the cutting of the meat on the Eili. The Eili was a large, thick carding board or smashing board that they used to use to crush the wheat on. So generally, we wouldn't use it for anything else, but we said that you permit it, according to Beit Hillel, to use it to cut meat on Yom Tov, on because of Simchat Yom Tov. But they both agree, and that's why the Veshavin, Shimtitza Velava Basar, have you already cut meat? Shasur the Tautla, you can't carry it anymore because it's Muksim. It's a Davar, Shemalachto the Isur. It says, Achanami Michama Litzel. Again here, we're talking about moving it from Chama Litzel, and it's a Klish Shemalachto the Isur, therefore you can't move it at all. 
then you could use it because of Simchat Yom Tov. Then it would be Tzarkufo. Tzarkufo, to move it in order to cut the meat on it. Even though an Eli really has the status of a plea that is Asumit Machmat Chisarun Kis. We saw yesterday that there's a dispensation for Simchat Yom Tov. That's why Beit Shemai says, no way, you can't cut it at all. Beit Hilal says, because of Simchat Yom Tov, we'll give you a dispensation to use it in order to cut the meat on so that it won't be classified as a muksa. But that's before you cut the meat. Once the meat's cut, you can't do that anymore. What about this Mishnah? You're not allowed to hold up the pot with a log of wood. Also the doorway. A log of wood on Yom Tov is considered to be heter. On Yom Tov, you're allowed to make fires, transfer fires. You're allowed to cook. So a log of wood, as opposed to Shabbat, where you can't do any of that, so the log would be muksa because it's Isur. By Yom Tov, it's Heter. Alma Dover Shemlak Tov Heter. Ben Kufo, Ben Mukomo, Asur. Over here, we're not allowing you to use it or utilize it in order to support the Kedera. And this is a Dover Shemlak Tov Heter. And you're not allowed to use it at all. You can't move it. Why not? Where it says, no, no, no. Hata, my time The reasoning there in that Mishnah is, Kevin de Shabbat, Tavar Shemalach told the since in Shabbat, this log of wood would otherwise be a sewer, they made it Gzeira Yom Tov atu Shabbat. They make Gzeira on Yom Tov that has the same status of Moksa like it would on Shabbat. What do you want to say? Shabbat Gufei Tishtare. On Shabbat itself, it should be Mutar. Something that otherwise is a sewer on Shabbat, you're allowed to utilize it for Tzorah Kufo and Tzorah Mikomo. And over here, you want to place the Gdeir on it. So you have a Heter utilization for this item. And yet, Mishnah says you may not use it. Not only on Shabbat, you can't use it. You can't even use it on Yom Tov. So you say, okay, Yom Tov atu Shabbat. But even on Shabbat, why is it Asur? We don't understand it. Where it says, wait a minute. When do we say, That's only when it's Mugdar. It's designated. It's considered to be a Kli. But it doesn't have a shame Kli on it, then the Din is not applicable. This is a very important principle here. That in order for something to be classified as Davar Hetter or Davar Isur, it has to be a Kli. It has to be a utensil. If it's not a utensil, then it doesn't go into one of those categories. So the rocks outside in your backyard, those rocks, even though they're Asur, they're not a Kli Isur. They're muksa, we call muksa machmatatsman. They are inherently muksa because they are not a utensil and they serve no purpose on Shabbat. Since you didn't have in mind for them before Shabbat, they're automatically out of your mind that you're mikatsayat minadat. You don't think about the rocks in your backyard for usage or utilization on Shabbat. It's not within your world because it's not a kali, it's not a utensil. So therefore, if you want to take one of those rocks and use it as a doorstopper now, you can't do that because it's muksa. You'd have to designate that prior to Shabbat that it'd be a rock that you would use for a doorstop. If you've done that before Shabbat, then you've taken it out of the world of Moksa and brought it into the world of Shabbat. But you can only do that prior to Shabbat. It doesn't have a status to be a Kli. A Kli brings it into the world of utilization. So once it's in the world of utilization, then you have these categories. Heter, Isur, what can you do with it? But if it was never a Kli, it's not in that category. And that's the story with this Bigat. The Bigat, the log of wood, is not a Kli. It's not a kli, it's muksa, not because it's kli shemachtolisir, kli shemachtolater, it's muksa because it's out of the world of Shabbat completely. Totally out of the world of Shabbat because it's not something that has utility on Shabbat. It's asur, plus it's not a kli. So those two together make it out of the world of Shabbat unless you designate it before Shabbat. And then we're saying that we have a of yom tov atu Shabbat. 
Just like by Shabbat, it's a sewer. We make it a sewer by Yom Tov. And same will be true by the delet, by the door. So the Gemara uses this principle. It says, Like here by the Bikat and the Delet. Lo. says, Is that really true that we extend an Isr of Shabbat to Yom Tov? We have numerous Mishnayot in Beitzah, which seem to indicate otherwise. You're allowed to push the fruit that is on the roof. They used to put out the fruit on the roof to, to dry the fruit. The name of what that is called when you place the fruit on the roof is called a muksa. It's a muksa for one of two reasons, either because there are tziot that are placed there, which are the figs that are cut open that they allowed to dry over there. Or it's a muksa because you put them out of mind. That's exactly what they're doing there. These are fruit that you're going to leave there for a long duration to dry out in the sun. So they would otherwise be muksa. So on Shabbat, you can't do anything with them. On the other hand, on Yom Tov, you can push them towards the hole in the roof, the sunlight, and they'll fall into the house. Automatically, you can push them in there. If you see rain coming, see the clouds coming, you're allowed to push them towards that area and let them fall into the house because it won't be so much work because you're not carrying them downstairs. They're just falling by themselves. But that is permissible on Yom Tov. It's not permissible on Shabbat. So why do we have such a differentiation? Why don't we say that the same din applies? So we say over there, That's the first problem. Then the second Gemara says, Are you sure we're not Gozer Tetzan? We have a Mishnah that appears in Megillah. There is no difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov except for Ochel Nefesh, which implies that anything else between Shabbat and Yom Tov are similar. So things that are muksa and other things like that should apply equally to Shabbat and Yom Tov. Amar of Yosef Lokasho. That's not a problem. Ha, Rabbi Eliezer. Ha, Rabbi Yoshua. The authors of these different instances are Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. The Tanya. This is a brighter that we bumped into already back on Kufiud Zayin and with Bet. Oto ve'etzbino. You have an animal and its child. Shinaflu the boar that fell into a pit. This is on Yom Tov. Rabbi says, You can bring up the first one in order to shecht it. And then you shecht it to use for Yom Tov. And second, when you leave in the pit and you give it food, you protect it, you take care of it in the pit. In order that it shouldn't die. You can bring up the first one to shecht it. And then you don't shecht it. And then you kind of do something tricky. And you bring up the second one. You can shecht either one. After you bring the first one up, you can say, Ah, it's not the one I wanted. I want the other one to shecht. Then you bring up the other one. Because in Yom Tov, you're allowed to deal with animals to shecht them. Do it in a backhanded way. You bring up both animals. And then you decide which one you want to shecht. Rabbi Shu allows harama. Rabbi Lezer does not allow this harama. Gemara's assumption right now is Rabbi Yoshua would permit tircha on Yom Tov because of ibud mamon, because of loss of money. But just like over here by the animals, he allows you to bring up both animals through a little bit of a tricky way because he wants you not to lose out. He doesn't want the animals to be damaged by being left in the boar. So he allows you to do some extra work on Yom Tov in order to protect your money, to protect your possessions. So, so too, he'll be the author of that Mishnah in Beitzah that says that you can push the fruits on Yom Tov into the house if you see rain coming, but you're not allowed to do B'Shabbat. Again, it's a little tircha in order to protect your money. That will be authored by Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Lezer, on the other hand, says you can't. You have to leave the animal down in the pit. 
and feed it down there, you can't bring it up. So he doesn't have this dispensation to allow you to do little tircha, a little extra work on Yom Tov in order to protect your possessions. So he'll be the author of that Mishnah that says there's no difference between Yom Tov and Shabbat. That's the Gemara's assumption now. That that's the difference in opinion is the same difference between the Bloods and Rabbi Yeshua. Gemara's going to reject it again. Mimai. Why do you have to say that that's the case? Dilmad, Gangol Gemara, Beliezer, Hatamela, Delef, Sharbe, Parnosa. Over there, the reason Rabbi Lezer says to leave the other animal in the pit is because there's an option for taking care of it. That option is to feed it in the pit and leave it there. So that's a good option. Maybe over here where he has no option in terms of the rain coming, if he leaves the fruit there, they're going to get ruined on the roof, then he would agree, lo, that you can put it in, you can push it in, even though it's a tircha yom tov, inami. Or the other possibility, the only reason it allows you to take both animals out is because there's a way to do it through a little bit of trickery, which is that you say, I want the first animal, and they say, I don't want it. Then you say about the second animal, over here, by the fruits, you're doing it directly. You're just pushing them in. There's no trickery about it. You're simply pushing them into the hole. You're doing the tircha without any harama. Maybe over there, maybe he wouldn't allow you to do it. The difference between these Mishnayot is the authorship of Beit Shemai and Beit Yilod. It's none. We have a Mishnah. Beit Shemai Omrim, Ein Motim et HaKatan, Vet HaLulav, Vet HaSefer Torah, The Rishut HaRabim, Zalmatirim. So this happens to be a Mishnah in Beit Zah. A Mishnah that results in a very, very large Machlok Bishonim, starting with Rashi and Tosafot there on the Daf. But here is a Machlok about carrying on Yom Tov. Beit Shemai says, Ein Motim et HaKatan, Vet HaLulav, Vet HaSefer Torah, The Rishut HaRabim. You're not allowed to carry out a youngster, Yilulav and the Sefer Torah, the Shuter Abim on Yom Tov, because they don't believe that there is Hotzaah on Yom Tov Shalol the Torah. It has to be the Torah Ochel Nefesh, and none of these qualify to be considered Torah Ochel Nefesh. Since it's not Torah Ochel Nefesh, you can't do Hotzaah on Yom Tov. On the other hand, Beit Hillel Matirim, Beit Hillel says you can carry both Shalol the Torah and Shalol the Torah. The Torah means the Torah Ochel Nefesh. Shalol the Torah means even Shalol the Torah Kochel Nefesh. And therefore you're allowed to carry out a katan, a youngster, a love, or a sefer Torah. The argument over there between the Bishonim is, do you need a Torah at all? Rashi over there seems to say, Lola Torah means Lola Torah Lau. You don't need any need to take it out. Tosafot argues against Rashi and says, look at the examples in the Mishnah. It's a katan, a lulav, and a sefer Torah. All things that are necessary for you are necessary for Yom Tov. The reason you're allowed to carry is because they have a Torah Yom Tov. They don't have to be a Torah Kochel Nefesh. But they have to have a tzorach. If you're just carrying for carrying sake, or not for a tzorach at all of Yom Tov, lo tzorach lal, he disagrees with Rashi and says you may not carry. It has enough kamina in terms of carrying on Yom Tov. Today we're somewhat protected from that because the Eruv, the same way that helps us for Shabbat, will help by Yom Tov. Here's lo tzorach lal, but there's some who believe even with an Eruv up, you can't take things out, lo tzorach lal. Something that has no purpose whatsoever. On Yom Tov, maybe you can't carry it, or even on Shabbat, you couldn't carry it there. That machloket between Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel about whether Tzorach Okel Nefesh governs Hotzah or not. So now the Gemara wants to suggest that's the difference between them. That Beit Shemai is saying that carrying is limited on Yom Tov. That's the focus. Okel Nefesh is the only difference. So carrying Okel Nefesh is mutar. Carrying Shalom Okel Nefesh is not mutar. Beit Hillel has a broader perspective that on Yom Tov, which is me hoil, hoil v'hitar, because it was already mutar for ochel nefesh, it's already mutar for things that are not ochel nefesh. And that's why they allow you to move the peyrot into the aruba. Mar says, wait a minute, imor d'shemayitlei the Beit Shemay Hotzaah tiltol mishemayitlei. You just brought me a Mishnah that discusses Hotzaah, which is a malacha deoraita that Beit Shemay says you're not allowed to do that on Yom Tov. Tiltol mishemayitlei. You're trying to connect between Hotzaah and Muksa. Muksa and Hotzaah, one's a dindarab. 
Rabbanon of Moksa, the other ones that didn't do right to Voltzah. Who says, just because Beit Shemai believes you can't do Voltzah on Yom Tov, unless it's Rochel Nefesh Bovad, will also say the same thing with regards to Moksa. Where it says, with Tiltul Gufe, La Mishim the other Gersa is, that Rashi has is, Atu Tiltul Lab Tzorech Hotahi, isn't Tiltul a part and parcel of Hotza'ah, which is, what is the reason for Muksa? So there are a number of reasons given for Muksa. This is one of the reasons given for Muksa. Here the Gemara says it here as well as in Beitza, that Muksa is in place to prevent people from doing Hotza'ah. Part of the purpose of Muksa is to limit the number of items that you can carry or move around. By limiting the items that you're going to carry around, you also won't come to do Hotza'ah. You won't carry them out into the Rishut Rabim. That's what the Gemara is expressing over here. If Beit Shemai believes something by Hotza'ah, that should carry over into Muksa because Muksa is a preventative measure for Hotza'ah. If they believe something by Hotza'ah, they certainly believe it by Tiltul as well. They can believe it by Muksa. That's in general. Muksa has three reasons that are brought in why there is Muksa and Shabbat. One of them is this, to prevent Hotza'ah. The other reason brought down is so that you don't engage with Kelim Le'isur. That's why they're limited. The limitations are much greater as you get to Kelim She'em Malachtam Le'isur. Things that are things like that that are out of your realm on Shabbat, so it prevents you from coming to do isur or malachat isur on Shabbat. The third reason given by the Rambam is for all those people who don't do anything all week anyway. They don't work during the week and they don't work on Shabbat as well. How do they distinguish Shabbat from a weekday? These are people who are retired, people who are not working. They're wealthy and they don't have to work. Therefore, how do they distinguish between their weekday and their Shabbat? The Rambam says that muksa is that differentiating factor. So muksa says that things are different on Shabbat than they are on Yom Tov. They're limited in the scope of items that they can interact with on Shabbat than they are on the weekday. And that will be a differentiation of Shabbat. So those are the three reasons brought with regards to muksa. Here you have one of them, which is that muksa is a preventative measure with regards to Hotzah. So Gemara says you can't just say that Beit Shemai says something by Hotzah and wouldn't think the same thing by Tilto by muksa. Because the two are connected. And Rav also holds of this position of Rav. A mar is a hoe. In order that it will not be stolen. That's tilto, that's not the Torah. That's mentioned in our Mishnah. Asur. Then it's Asur. Time much lo yiganev. The reason it's Asur here is because you're moving it so it won't be stolen. Aval the Torah Kufo, the Torah Mikomo, Mutar. Had it been for Torah Kufo, Mikomo, would be Mutar. A ho is a kli. Shemachto the Isur. What Rav is saying is you can't move it so it won't get stolen. That's the equivalent of Michamal itself. You're doing it simply to protect the item itself. You're not doing it for your utilization on Shabbat. So Rav says the problem with moving the ho is because you're moving it for its own purpose for it not to be stolen. But had it been for Torah Kufa, Torah Mekomo, it otherwise would have been Mutar. That is the position of Rava. So the Gemara here says that Rav subscribes to that position of Rava. Ini, is that really true? The Harav Kahana Iklo Lebei Rav. Kahana came to the house of Rav, or to the base manager of Rav. Bamar Aitulei Shuta Lekahana Leitev Alei. I said they should bring out a Mitsuda. A trap for Kahana to sit on. Love the Memra. So why would they say that? Why did they express it this way? Bring out this item so that Kahana can sit on it. Love the Memra. The Davar Shemach told Isn't it because the Mitsuda that they wanted to bring out for him to sit on is something that is Melach So therefore the Torah Kufo in the Torah Mekomolo, the only reason they were allowed to move it is because they needed it for him to sit on, which is Torah Kufo. 
If it had been for Tzorach Makomo, no. So, Hachamar Lohu. Now, the Gemara says, no, no, this is what they said over there. Shkulu Shuta Mikame Kana. Remove the Mitsuda so Rav Kana could sit down. So that would be a case of Tzorach Mikomo. And so that statement shows you that Rav believed that also Tzorach Makomo was fine. And some say, that it was not that they were moving, they wanted to get it out of the way. They didn't want it to get stolen. So they were bringing it in. So you can't do that. So that's why it was said only the only reason they can move it is because they needed it now for Rav Gana to sit on. So that's why they wanted to move it. They couldn't move it, so they had waited for a reason. Now they had a reason to move it in that Rav Gana could sit on it. But otherwise, it would not have been permissible to move it. But that's why they had to expressly say the reason they were moving it is so that Rav Gana could sit on it. Because there was no reason to sit in that place. The problem wasn't that it was in a place that they wanted to sit. The problem was that the place was going to get stolen or get ruined. So the only reason they could do it is to explicitly say that we're moving it for Rav Gana to sit on. But not that they don't believe that Tzorach Makomo would have been a good enough reason to move it. He had this mattress or this pillow that was sitting out in the sun. So this is a classic case of he wants to move the pillow inside. After the Kamei Dorov, came in front of a Rav, we already know Rav's opinion. When it comes to Kli Shemlachtel the Heter, he believes he can move it, Mechama Letzel. So it's exactly what he passes him. Amalei, Ma'u Letiltelinu, Mari Baravgel says to Rav, can I carry this in? Amalei Shari says, Mutar, because it's Mechama Letzel, Kli Shemlachtel the Heter, no problem. Itli Yachrina, Mari Baravgel says, I have another one. I don't need it. Can I still move it? Chazud Orchim. Rav says back to him, even if you don't need it, it's good for your guests, if you have guests come in. Says, He says, I have sufficient pillows for myself and my guests, so that, can I still bring it in? So Rav says, back to Megalita Datech, Vekirabba Svirlach, or again, the gears could be Gideavaye Svirlach, that you hold like Rabba, or you hold like Abaye, that when it comes to Kalishim Lachal the Hatter, it's only Mutar the Torah Kufo, the Torah Mikamo. Michama Latzel is not Mutar. So he says, I see from all the questions that you're posing to me that you're uncomfortable with my psak. So Rav says to him, you're uncomfortable that I'm allowing you to move it, Micham itself, because you keep trying to push back against me. So it says, therefore, the Kuliyam Moshari. Anybody else asks me, Mutar the Gamre, that's a psak halacha. The Didach, Asir. For you, it's Asur, you're right. If you are subscribed to the opinion of Rabbi or Abaye, then you're right. If you're a Talmud of theirs and you subscribe to their opinion, then you really can't move it because it's Micham itself. For anybody else, Psach is like me, like Ravah, I'm going to pass from them that you can't move it, Micham Adetzel. Amar Rabbi Ava, Amar Rabbi Chir Barashi, Amar Rav. Michabdot Shel Milta. These are brushes that are made out of cloth. Table brushes that are made out of cloth. Mutar L'Taltalan B'Shabbat. Those you can move on Shabbat because they're mutar to use on Shabbat to clear off the table. Aval Shel Lo. The one of the day tree, meaning palm branches. The brushes that are made out of palm branches, those you may not move on Shabbat because those are used to sweep the floor. And their floors were dirt floors. Since they were dirt floors, we're afraid of Meshavik Gumot. That you would straighten out the whole Flatten out the floor, be a problem of Melachan Shabbat. Rabbi Elazaromer, Afshel Tmara. He says, even one, a Tmara, a palm branch brush, you can move. But my Askinan, what's going on here? If you need the brush for something that's Mutar on Shabbat, or you need the place where the brush is, why would Rav say that you can't move it? It's Kalishim Lachdoli Isur. That is We just saw that Rav agrees that that's mutar. So why would you ever think he can't move it? Ah, Rav Rav holds like Rav that we just said before. That you're trying to move it to protect it. Even Rav Lazar was matir over here. You think that he would be matir? We don't find any opinion like that. That you're allowed to move for its own protection, for its own needs. That we don't find. So why would he ever be matir over here?
Gemara says, no, the case here is Olam Michamal Etzel. Be'im Avachin Amar Rabelazer. Case is Michamal Etzel. Michamal Etzel, that's why you cannot move it. Michamal Etzel, for a Gleesh and the Heter is fine. That's why you can move the table brush made out of cloth. The palm branch brush is Gleesh and Lachto That you can't move Michamal Etzel. And that's the Sack of Rav. Rabelazer comes and says, Afshel Tamara. Don't read it that way. He says, Vechain Amar Rabelazer. Rabelazer agrees to that position of Rav. But we brought over here is wrong. That Rabelazer is not really disagreeing. He's agreeing. With that position of Rav, that a table brush is mutar, mechamal itself is a klishim lakhtola het there, whereas a palm branch brush is a klishim lakhtola sur, and therefore it would be a sur mechamal itself. The next mishnah. Kola kelim and nitalim b'shabbat. Any kelim that can be carried on Shabbat, shivrehem nitalim imehem. Their broken shards can be carried with them. Ubuvad. Shiyosim eim lacha. As long as they have some function. The shivrei avirav, you have broken shards from a trough. Chasot benet piyachavit. You can use those shards to cover over a barrel or a pitcher. Shivrei zechuchit. You have broken shards of glass. Chasot benet piyapach. Cover over a smaller jug. Rabbi Yudomer, Rabbi qualifies that and says, Vaj shiyosim eim lachtan. They have to do not only do, have utility and usefulness on Shabbat, they have to do something akin to their original utilization, their original purpose, which is shivrei. Areva, the original Areva is a trough that's used for kneading dough in it. The tukla tochan mikpeh, that you can pour into it a thick dish. You can use them to hold something like a porridge. Something that thick that you can pour into it. Because that's similar to what it did before in terms of the Areva. The Areva was used for kneading dough for thick items that you move around in there. So Tavir, it's functioning the same way. Shazichuchit, the tukla tocho shemen. Just like glass was used before to keep liquids in it, so too the shard of glass, if you can put oil in it, then that's also doing the similar, similar or akin to the original function of the kli. So we have a machlogit here in the mission when it comes to shards or broken pieces of a kli. In order to be functional and useful on Shabbat, do they simply have to have utility, and that's enough to keep them within the realm of Shabbat and not be muksa? Or, according to Rabbi Yehuda, do they have to do something similar or akin to what they did originally? I'm Rabbi Yehuda Machloket. This machloket our Mishnah is only when they broke prior to Shabbat. That Rabbi Yehuda holds that if they do somewhat akin to their original malacha, then fine. If they do another malacha, lo. Even if they are now useful, you have utility for something else, fine. If they broke on Shabbat itself, Everybody agrees they're mutar. Mutar. Since their kli, their father here, meaning the original kli that came into Shabbat, whole was mutar, wasn't books on Shabbat. So therefore, when it breaks on Shabbat, the shards of the babies have no difference than the original kli. The original kli was mutar, so too the shards of mutar. There's no reason to make them muksa coming into Shabbat. Muksa is determined at Benesh Mashot. So therefore, at Benesh Meshul, upon entry into Shabbat, you have to look at the items. Rabbi Yudah says, shards only considered to be useful or not muksa coming into Shabbat if they do something similar to their original purpose. But not their muksa. The Tanakam says, no, if they are useful, they're not muksa coming into Shabbat. On Shabbat, since they cleared the threshold, Benesh Meshul, they weren't muksa coming into Shabbat because the whole kli wasn't muksa. When they become shards on Shabbat, they're completely mutar. Motiv Rav Zutrai, is that really true? Mesikin b'kelin, vein mesikin b'shivrei kelim. Says a din with regards to Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, you're allowed to cook on Yom Tov. You're allowed to heat things up on Yom Tov. So here it says you can stoke the fire, you can use for firewood, kelim. But ein mesikin b'shivrei kelim. You're not allowed to do it with broken shards of a kli. Denishbru emat. When did they break? Ilem edishbru berev Yom Tov. If they broke before Yom Tov, eitzim ba'almaninu. They're no worse than a piece of wood. So why can't you throw them into the fire? Why can't you use them to stoke the fire? 
They're no worse than a piece of wood coming into Yom Tov. They should know what's wrong with them. A lot of Yom Tov. Must be that it happened on Yom Tov itself. Dani, and then we still have that differentiation. You can use a whole keli. You may not use a broken shard of a keli. Who's the author of that position, according to you? According to you, everybody agrees if it breaks on Shabbat, it breaks on Yom Tov, there is no muksa. We have no author for that position. If you want to state the statement of Amr Yudah Meshmol, this is the way it should be worded. Machloket shenishbiru b'Shabbat. Machloket in our Mishnah is when they broke on Shabbat. The Marsav Ramuchanu, one of them holds, meaning the Tanakhamu believes that since you came into Shabbat, the glee was heter. Therefore, when it breaks on Shabbat, it retains its status of heter. It doesn't become muks on Shabbat. Marsav Ramuchanu. And Rabbi Yehuda believes that it's Nolad, that you've now created something new on Shabbat. If it does Me'in Malacha, if it does something similar akin to the original Malacha, you're right, you didn't create anything new. It functioned this way before, it functions this way now, you're talking about the same item. But if it changes its function on Shabbat, that's Nolad. That's you created something new, with new utility on Shabbat, that's Muksa. Valmeir of Shabbat, if it broke already before Shabbat, everybody believes it's mutar. Because even if it changed its utility before Shabbat, it can now be used for something else that was already known before Shabbat. Since it's known before Shabbat and you brought it to Shabbat, you had in mind to use it in that way on Shabbat. There's no muksa on Shabbat if it breaks beforehand. So, Tani Chada. We have one brighter that says, That one can stoke the fire, encourage the fire, promote the fire with Kelim, but not with Shivrei Kelim, not with broken shards. But Tani Yidok, we have another brighter that says, There's no difference between Kelim and shards of Kelim. But Tani Yidok, we have a third brighter that says, You can't do any of this. You can't use any of these items on Yom Tov for this purpose. So my answer is we have these three brights that are authored by three different Tanaim. Who are they? Ha Rabbi Huda, Ha Rabbi Shimon, Ha Rabbi Nechemia. These are the three authors of these brights. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon argue about whether there's muksa on Shabbat and on Yom Tov as well. So therefore, the brights that says you can use Kelim and not Shivrei Kelim, that's authored by Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda believes there's muksa on Yom Tov and therefore he differentiates between a full Kli and a shever kli, similar to what we saw in our Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah in our Mishnah says that if the shard of the kli doesn't do something akin to the original work, it's muksa on Yom Tov. Or muksa on Shabbat, then it would be muksa on Yom Tov as well. So, so too, he's the author of this opinion that shivrei kelim are problematic on Shabbat and Yom Tov. The brighter that says that we don't worry about not kelim and not shivrei kelim is authored by Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon believes there is no muksa. No muksa, doesn't matter if it's the whole kli or the shever kli. We don't have a din in muksa. It's interesting because many places we see that Rabbi Shimon, even though he doesn't hold of muksa, he does hold of nolat. The Amoraim seem to say within Rabbi Shimon's opinion that nolat is muksa even according to Rabbi Shimon. But here you see the Gemara clearly taking a position that this nolat, or it looks like nolat, Rabbi Shimon thinks it's totally mutar. Rabbi Nechemia is the author of the last Braita that says... You can't use not the kli and not the shards of the kli. Rabbi Nechemi, we just bumped into at the beginning of today's daf. Rabbi says that you can only use a kli for its primary purpose. Primary purpose of a kli is not to be mesik. It's not to stoke the fire or to use it to fuel the fire. That's not the primary utilization of a kli. And because of that, you can't carry. You can't carry it to do that. You can't carry it to do this. doesn't matter if it's a short or a regular kli. Therefore, Rabbi Nechemi will be the author of that bright that says you can't use kelim or shivrei kelim for hasaka and yom tov. Amrav Nachman. Hane livne destruir mi binyono. These bricks that were left over from a building project, shari latiltalinu. You're allowed to carry them on Shabbat. The chazal the mizgalayu. They're no longer designated for building. They're no longer designated for a muksa purpose. And what do you do with extra bricks that are left over from a building site? Use them to sit on. 
They're good for sitting up chairs or sitting up the little stools to sit on, and therefore they're mutar to be metaltel because they have a purpose. Sharginu vadai akzinu. If he stacks them up into a pile after the building, so it depends what the bricks look like. And if they look like a building site here in Israel, after they finish building with everything strewn all over the place and all the garbage is out on the side, then you know that they don't plan on using them for building sites. Then they are mutar because you can use them for sitting on. Therefore, they have a purpose on Shabbat that is mutar. And you can use them on Shabbat. You can move them around on Shabbat. On the other hand, if you see them nicely stacked on a pallet next to the building site, you know that they're going to reuse them for something else. They're planning on taking them to the next building site. Therefore, they remain mukseb. If a small piece of cheres, you're allowed to carry it in the chatzer, but you're not allowed to carry it in the karmelit. Now here we're talking about not moving it daladamot, not a problem of hotza'ah, simply a problem of muksa. Can you take a small shard of cheres and move it? Rav Nachman Amr Shmuel says you can only move it within the chatzer, but not in the karmelit. Rav Nachman Didei Rav Nachman himself says, afilu b'karmelit, avo b'rishut lo. You can even move it around and pick it up in a karmelit, but not in the public domain. For Rav Amar, afilu b'rishut arabim. Rav says you can even move it around in the b'rishut arabim. The question here is, what do you utilize this small shard of earthenware for? So the answer would be to cover something, to put it on top of something. The opinion of Rav Nachman and Meshmul is that's only true in the chatzer. Where do you have kelim? Where do you have items that need to be covered? That's in the courtyard. So therefore you can pick it up. By the time you get to a Carmelite, there is nothing there that you're going to cover. People don't keep their possessions, don't keep their utensils out in the Carmelite. But then Rav Nachman himself says, no, even in a Carmelite, because sometimes people leave something there, or sometimes there's spit or spittle on the floor and you want to cover it. So there's a reason to use this shard of pottery to cover something in the Carmelite. And then Rova comes along and says, even in a Rishut Rabbim, because since it's a Kli, and it's okay to carry it in a Chatzar, and it's a Kli to carry it in a Carmelite, then it's also got to be a Kli that you can pick it up in Rishut Rabbim. We don't have this idea that you're half Muksa, half not Muksa. Either you are Mutar, you're not Mutar. If it's Mutar to use in these areas, in the Chatzar and the Carmelite, it's also Mutar to pick it up in and that's what the Gemara says, He was walking along the main thoroughfares of Mechuza. He got his shoe dirty. He stepped into something over here. He stepped into something disgusting. He stepped into some cement, some mud, some other disgusting thing that got in his shoe. Atashame, his servant, or his helper comes, takes a shard of pottery, and he was scraping it off. Just so you know that the word kapar or kapar, Rashi says it in Chumash as well, means to scrape off, not what we look at it to be atoned for. And that's why the utensils in the Mikdash that were used for capturing the dam were called kaparot. They're called kaparot because Cohen used to wipe his finger on it from the blood. So that's why Rashi says over there they're called kaparot, because they wiped themselves off on them. So here you have chaspa mechapale. So you see here that Ravah believes that you can pick up a short of pottery out in the Rishut Rabim. Even though technically it shouldn't be able to be moved, it's muksa because he believes if it's not muksa in the chatzer, it's not muksa in the karmel, it's not muksa in shutarabim. And you see, he acted on that when he allowed his shamei, his helper, to come and scrape this off the shoe with a shard of pottery found in the shutarabim. No, tiltul is muksa. That's the way the Gemara describes. Tiltul means to pick something out to move it because of muksa. We're not talking about hotza'ah. It's not a problem of movement, which I mentioned before. We're not talking about moving it daladamot. It had to be within daladamot of him, so there's no problem of moving it. He just picked it up, something right below his foot that they had there and he utilized it. Ramu be Rabbanan kalo. The Rabbanan started to scream at him not to do this, at Rovos. 
servant or his helper. The Rebbe says, well, we stay to Logimire. And they know what's so bad here. Not only do they not learn themselves, but they want to teach what they don't know. He says here, they don't know the halacha. And so now they're screaming at my Shame that he's taking up the shrine of pottery. And he says, that what's worse is that not only do they don't know what they're talking about, now they're trying to scream and tell others that they're doing wrong based on what they don't know. The Rebbe says that's the worst. Had I been in a courtyard, Milo Mono, what if this shard of pottery and useful to cover something over? Therefore, it's useful out here. That's what I said before, which is that Ravah believes that if it has utility somewhere on some domain on Shabbat, that makes it ois muksa. It's not muksa anymore. If it's not muksa there, it's not going to muksa anywhere, even though you don't have that same purpose in these other places. If you have a cover of a chavit, was nichtata means that it was destroyed, pulverized, crushed. What was crushed here is the chavit, was the barrel or the pitcher was crushed and the cover is still intact. Mutar the taltel b'shabbat, you can still move the cover around on Shabbat. We have a similar brighter that supports that, which is Mugufash Nikhtata. He Ushbaya Mutara the Tautala Bishabat. So if you have a barrel which was crushed or destroyed, you can take the cover plus shvara, the broken pieces of the barrel on Shabbat. Below Ispot Menu Shever, the Sod Batakli, the smoke ba kare mita. You should not smooth out, cut a piece here in order to make it into a cover or to use it as a cup to put under the legs of the bed so the bed doesn't sink into the mud. But if you throw it into the garbage, then it's problematic. So what you spoke here is a problem of, you're not allowed to take, if you have these shards that are sharp, and you want to break them or make it so you don't have these sharp edges, that you can't do. Because then you're, what Rashi says, you're finishing off a clee to make it useful on Shabbat. Here, you're now taking this shard, fixing it so you can use it as a cover. You're shaping it so it can be the right cover. Shape that you can use it for a cup under a bed leg. That you can't do on Shabbat. If the shards are there and they're the right size and happen to be useful, that's fine. You can use them. But you can go then and fix the shards so they become the useful for you. The other thing is, if it's thrown into the garbage, then we think it's considered to be muksa because he threw it out. That means he has no intention for its use on Shabbat. So, he throws his cloak into the garbage on Shabbat. You can't go pick up your cloak. If you see someone throw out their cloak or clothes into the garbage, and now you want to utilize it on Shabbat, why can't you go in there and take it? It's not a muksa just because he threw it in the garbage. So why over here are you saying because he threw it in the garbage, it's automatically a sur. If he threw it in before Shabbat into the garbage, then it's a surah. Because then he already, that he thinks that it's not useful on Shabbat. If it's not useful on Shabbat, then it's muksa coming into Shabbat because it was in the garbage going into Shabbat. When it's a shiver kli on Shabbat, it doesn't lose its original status of heter just because he throws it into the garbage. It came in as heter, remains heter, someone can make use out of it. Amar barhamdure, amar shmuel. Kromiot shel machatzelet. If you have the pieces of a mat, mat is made up of many reeds. If you have one of those strips of the reeds that moved away or fell away from the mat, the mat's unwinding, unraveling. So now you have pieces of it. Mutar You can use them on Shabbat. You can carry them on Shabbat. My time off. Rav explained. Barhamduri Asprali. He explained to me. What's the point of the mat itself? The Beafra. You put it on the floor to cover over the dirt so that you can sit down or you can walk over there. So that's why you have the mat. Hananami so too, these pieces of the mat that unraveled, you can use them individually to cover over anything that is disgusting or dirty. You can use them in the same way. So since you can use them in the same way, they remain or retain their status of heter on Shabbat. 
Asur litautalan bishabbat. If you have remainders of clothing, you have rags, basically, you cannot carry them on Shabbat. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, wait a minute, that doesn't make so much sense. If they were useful as rags before Shabbat, why can't you use them as rags now? Rags are not inherently muksa. They're only muksa if they serve no purpose on Shabbat. A rag is useful on Shabbat, just like it's useful during the week. You can wipe things up with it. You can wipe off the table with it. Clean the floor with it. Why aren't they mutter on Shabbat? So Abaye explains to us, Amar Abaye, we're talking about rags or leftover pieces of clothing that are less than three by three. Gimel gimel etzbaot They're not useful for either poor people or rich people. They serve no purpose. They're below the threshold of being useful anymore. They're considered to be worthless at that point. Since they are worthless, then they are muksa on Shabbat because they serve no purpose. If they come over the threshold where they become useful to an ani or a shir, then that might be different. Because then they are useful on Shabbat, they're useful to somebody, they retain a shame cleat with them. Here where they fell below the basic threshold of what's considered to be a baguette, they're no longer cleat, they're no longer useful on Shabbat, and therefore they have a din of muksa. Alright, we'll stop over here.